can't stop. Man, I can't stop. Man, I can't stop. You're listening to the Sports Aid Vault podcast with me, Tom Gale. Now, regular listeners will know this is our second series of the Sports Aid Vault. And it's brought to you in association with Commonwealth Games England and the Team England Futures Programme. Each episode will see us providing you with a unique insight ahead of the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games alongside special guests as Team England gets set to shine on home soil. We'll be offering a behind-the-scenes look at what a multi-sport games entails and take a deep dive into how athletes and their support staff can best prepare to deliver medal-winning performances, as well as making the most of the opportunities that they'll be presented with. This episode, we're joined by Paula Dunn, MBE, and Kadena Cox, OBE. Paula was one of Britain's best sprinters of the 1980s and 90s, representing her country at Olympic, world and European level in the 100m, 200m and 4x100m relay. She represented Team England across three separate Commonwealth Games, Edinburgh, Auckland and Victoria, winning five medals, one gold, two silver and two bronze. Since retiring, Paula has worked for UK Athletics for over 20 years, most notably as head coach for the British Athletics Paralympic Programme and now team leader of the Olympic Programme. Paula is a proper trailblazer, having become the first woman and the first black person to become a head coach at British Athletics when appointed following London 2012. Kadena, she's a four-time Paralympic gold medalist competing in the T38 para-athletic sprint events and the C4 para-cycling category. She competed for Great Britain at Rio 2016, where she became the first British Paralympian to win medals in two different sports for 32 years. Kadena has won multiple medals at World Championships in para-athletics and para-cycling, Undoubtedly, she's a true inspiration who's aiming to compete at her very first Commonwealth Games in Birmingham this summer after missing out on the Gold Coast four years ago. Plenty to get stuck into with Paula and Kadena. We'll cover diversity and inclusivity, able-bodied and para-athletes competing together, the opportunity to meet other people from nations all around the world, is the Commonwealth Games maybe an eye-opener for other championships about how they can go about things and if the so-called friendly games really are that friendly? It's very exciting. The Commonwealth Games are just a few months away. Kadena, you're hopeful to be in Birmingham. I'm certainly not going to be in the Commonwealth Games anytime soon. Paula, you have a wealth of history with this game. It was your very first major championship a lot of talk about this is the friendly games. Was was that your experience when you first, you know, it was announced and you were like, right, I'm going to compete at the Commonwealth Games? Um, I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I was. It seems such a long time ago. I was 21. Um, it was my, like you say, my first major um, international. Um, I'd done a few GB internationals. For me, I don't know if it's the friendly games because the competition was absolutely fierce. Uh, but I think it's friendly in the fact that all the home nations are competing. So, you know, you will see faces that you will see around um, your trials or while you're competing for Great Britain. Um, and, it, and it did feel special. So I don't know if it was friendly, but it felt very special. All my t- uh, games felt, spe- felt special. 
Yeah, I think I definitely take that with a bit pinch of salt because obviously everyone says it's the friendly games, but as we know, elite sport <laughs> is extremely competitive, whatever field it is. If there's medals at stake, and that Absolutely. was silly, you know, you, you didn't feel as though anyone was giving you a gimme as regards to, oh, come on, I'll let you finish first as regards to. It was more the environment, maybe away from the professional circuit and just that beauty of, like you say, English, Northern Irish, Scottish and Welsh athletes Absolutely. competing on separate teams. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's what always felt really special to me and important was like the opportunity for athletes who probably weren't the number one and two for Great Britain had the opportunity to compete for their home nation. And so, yeah, from that from that angle, it was it was definitely very special. Um, and obviously, I competed with. Um, people from the club that I was training at. Again, it's unusual that, you know, you get three or four people from the same club, from the same training group. So again, that felt, made it feel special. Um, but like you say, you know, medals work for grabs and um, nobody's going to give them to you. So the the, um, the level of competition was, um, was fierce um, and it's going to get harder as well. And for you, Kadina, is that part of the appeal? I'm sure you want to win medals, whatever it is, you know, if it's Europeans, Worlds or whatever, but... You know, just searching for that, you know, what you've perhaps looked on in envy at times of, oh, the Commonwealth Games experience. It's something that you want to add to your extensive experience as an elite athlete. Yeah, most definitely. I think the Commonwealth Games, from what I've heard, is just good vibes, is all I'm going to say. And for me, it's one that I've always wanted to do. You know, there's, it's uh, a team games, but there's, you know, para and um, pack able-bodied teams there so it's kind of that inclusivity um and for someone that came from able-bodied sport and kind of went through the ranks with you know some of the the best you know throughout England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales um in various different sports and then to be on the Paralympic side it for me I've wanted to do it the last few years just to be able to be on a team with you know some of my old like uni mates that I know are going to be there um but also with you know some of the um the younger like um, GB para athletes that may not necessarily make the GB squad right now, um, but have the opportunity to be on a England, Wales, um, Scotland, um, Northern Ireland team and, you know, be around the rest of us athletes and get that, um, I guess, that experience mm-hmm. and then feel comfortable in that setting. And, you know, when they do go to another Games, then they, they flourish. And I guess also, Kadina, is it is it safe to say that from a young athlete, that was perhaps the most realistic dream early on because many people do see a Commonwealth Games as arguably that first step on the road to Olympics and obviously for yourself later in your career when you did switch to parasport. But certainly as prior to that, when you were up and coming as a young sprinter, you perhaps looked at the Commonwealth Games and thought, right, this could actually be my first taste of serious multi-sport games. Yeah, I think the Commonwealth Games gives that opportunity just because there are um you know when you're all competing for you know three spots or whatever it is on on the gb squad um it, it, it's quite tough to you know make that top three but then when you split that between you know england ireland scotland uh wales then that there's more opportunity and it just gives you that little bit of hope of yeah i'm good enough right now like um on you know near the top and not quite you know at my best yet but this could you know give me that little bit of a taste and then help me to build onto that next step. So um, it did always seem, seem like something that was there as an opportunity that I could, I could really take and thrive under and something I always wanted to do as a junior athlete. And Paula, is there definitely that added element of, 
you have a lot of banter away at major championships and normally it's as a, as a British team, but now you can throw shots at your Scottish rivals or, you know, you can add that <laughs> extra element to get one up on them when normally you're used to competing as one. You can hold it against them and maybe for future games you're like, oh, don't forget about the Commonwealth where I had you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Tom. There's none of that. There's none of that at all. Um, no, I think, like Kadida said, it's a great stepping stone for athletes. It certainly was for me. And um, like, like you say, you know, you, you're in your own nations in one minute, and then you get back together really quickly for the Europeans. And it's always been a Commonwealth Games, then a Europeans. Um, again, it's going to be the same in 2022. So you're going to be all in the individual home nations competing against each other, and then you're brought back quite quickly together. Uh, under the flag of GB for the European Championship, so to me, it's um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just one of those events where it's attainable. Um, you know, you can you can be growing up and think actually, I I could get in a relay squad for England. You know, I could be in that one of that six. Um, so for for a young athlete, you know, a developing athlete, it's definitely a really good first um, competition, and it's a multi sport. Um, you don't get many opportunities to do multi-sport um, events. Um, between outside the Commonwealth Games, it's the Olympic Games or Paralympic Games. So actually, it, it becomes quite important on your athlete's journey. A key thing we wanted to get stuck into this episode is diversity and inclusion. And when it comes to sports, we're very traditional in the fact that in Olympics, we have our Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games. But since 2002, the Commonwealth Games has always incorporated a para-element. In terms of visibility, Kadena, to have athletes of all representations competing together as one on similar timetables in the same arena, how important do you feel that is? Uh, for me, I, I think it's just amazing because I think... You know, it's great to have the, the Olympics and the Paralympics. Um, and, um, you know, it's great that we have the Paralympics, you know, as our own and we're able to showcase disabled sport um, and not be, you know, um, I, th I think if we put them together, the, there's and maybe issues, you know, with being overshadowed um, if we put the Olympics and the Paralympics together. But I think, you know, for me, it's nice to, you know, have our own table, but I want a seat at the table, you know? So having that inclusion within um, the Commonwealth Games, I think is great, you know, people just seeing, um, rather than, you know, being a para-athlete or a disabled athlete, at the Commonwealth Games, you're just seen as another athlete, you know, we're just one team, um, just athletes on one team. And I think that's so important. It's so important for junior athletes coming through. It's so important for, you know, other people with disabilities just, in the in the world in general just seeing that you know that they are included like they, they they're not you know set aside um and it's important for you know young children you know looking on and seeing you know able-bodied and para-athletes as one and they're looking on and they're not seeing that there's a big difference so, you know when they're growing up they're having um that understanding that uh yes they have a disability but it doesn't mean that they're you know incapable or, or that they should be set aside so i think it's a great thing for so many different reasons um, and it just brings another element to uh, the games and just like the fun that you can have. And from all the uh, the athletes that I've um, spoken to that have been to the Commonwealth Games that um, do um, were are part of the para team, um, they just felt felt included. And like a lot of the uh, able-bodied athletes just kind of like took them under the wings and, you know, it was just like taking them around and just helping them out. And I think that that is what, what we want. And for me, that's the best part about the Commonwealth Games, it's that just inclusion of, of everyone that no, no one's left aside. And Paula, obviously we talked about your competitive as a professional athlete competing at the Commonwealth Games with your development head on as regards to a team leader now and previously as in charge of, of, of the British Paralympic setup. 
in terms of what we said there, that access to opportunities, because I think certainly with para sports, sometimes the danger is you go from one sphere to ultra elite, don't you? It's either Paralympic Games, European Championships or Worlds or nothing. And we're not trying to say that the Commonwealth Games is easy, but again, it's that extra rung. And then if we do bring that diversity into it of regards to it, a Paralympic Games, it's what, two or three British athletes going again now we'll have that English Scottish and Welsh breakdown to enable more opportunities to develop better athletes and strengthen depth absolutely um, I couldn't agree more with um, what Kadina said um, she actually nailed it I think it gives opportunity to athletes that may not get the opportunity to compete for the for their nation um, within a, a two or three year site um, for two or three years during a cycle so it gives them that insight of what is um, what is actually like to be at a, a global event. And then also I think um, it's really good. We talk about the benefits to para-athletes. It's also a benefit for the non-para-athletes just to see um, other athletes, you know, with, with maybe having some difficulties doing everything, how they manage themselves, how they cope in that environment. Um, so that actually the learning is both ways. Um, and, and as Kadina said, um, I mean, there were some really lovely stories coming out of 2018, you know, of, um, you know, see the um, English athletes on um, the non-disabled side helping out, but actually asking questions of the para-athletes and both learning off each other. And there's not very, there's very few places where that actually happens. Like Kadina says, it's great. Yes, we want a standalone event in the, in the um, you know, Paralympics. Um, but it is nice to have the opportunity to really integrate and integrate fully, you know, you got the same kit your medal is the same value it shows on the medal table that's that's very important for everybody to see that actually they're part of the team and like not like an add-on and Kadina how's that journey been from you started someone in Parasport in 2015 if I'm right to the present day in terms of how athletes from able-bodied sports are more understanding and more embracing and, and it is it feels right now doesn't it that it's not even a conversation really is it as regards to or why are para-athletes competing at the same games? This is what we want moving forward, isn't it? Has, has that always been the case for yourself, or is that growth of understanding something you've noticed in your, in your short career still to this day in, in para-sport? Oh, short career, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? Uh, I was just listening to Paul this week, and it just makes me smile, just, you know, just thinking about that integration. Um, and for me, I think the last few years, I think a lot of people have become more understanding and felt more comfortable um, asking questions um, and trying to, you know, understand, you know, um, kind of what we go through as power athletes, you know, what our disabilities are. Um, and then, like, if there's any way that they can help us, you know, like, and it's not a case of, oh, I'm just going to kind of help you through this. It's it's kind of, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. If not, I'm going to leave you be. Um, and I see it, so when I'm training, I see it, um, you know, we've got, you know, para-athletes and able-bodied athletes, you know, in the same groups, you know, we train in the gym together and we all just help each other out and you don't really see a difference, like there is no, like we're all just athletes together. Um, so then to be able to translate that onto, you know, um, a big scale like a Commonwealth Games and, you know, people just to all be together as one, I, I think it is great and I think there's been so much progress, you know, in, in that kind of inclusion. I think um, within this country, we do lead the way. Um, you know, you look at things like Paul just talked about the medals being the same and there being no difference. Um, when we look at things like um, our, our our kit and our funding system in this country, like, you know, we're, we're, we're parallel. And I think, you know, we're leading the way and um, things are moving forward and hopefully, you know, 
continuing to showcase that to the rest of the world and, and they're moving forward as well. And I guess, Paula, if we ask you to rewind back to that your first Commonwealth game experience, of course, you weren't looking at it then through the eyes of, is this accessible and is this as inclusive as, as possible? But certainly with your mature head on to reflect back then, it's crazy to think in terms of support staff and how embracive, particularly, you know, that Commonwealth Games ethos is around trying to bring everyone together. Yeah, I mean, it, literally, um, it's like night and day. Um, you know, when Manchester did it in 2002 and as a as a person from Manchester, it was it was really, really pleased to see. Um, you know, I, I think people did look at it as a little bit like, oh, this is interesting, a bit of a novelty. But like you say, over the over the over the years and over the different um, number of Commonwealth Games, it has become better, um, more inclusive, um, and I, and I just think that is um, we do lead that way, and we should be we shouldn't be you know we should be proud to say we lead that way in integration. We're really fortunate in this country um, in athletics. You know, we integrate our competitions. You know, you'll see some um, events at our British Championships, you know, both indoors and outdoors. You'll see the same prize money for um, outside of the Diamond League events in some of these competitions. So I'm, I'm actually really pleased, you know, to be a part of pushing that that agenda forward. Um you know, um, initially it was it was difficult, and if you want to change something, it's always difficult. But I see now that actually, like Kadina said, it's it, it's not sometimes even um, a conversation; it's just happening. And that for me is 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 what progress is: is when it just happens. You don't have to remind people. Um, so when I sit back and and that's happened, you know, over the last ten years, um, we've definitely pushed it forward since twenty twelve. You know. Whatever we say about 2012, the legacy has been for us, the Paralympic Games became household, which it wasn't beforehand. Um, and so people now recognise it as elite sport. Um, as Kadina said, you know, that's reflected in, you know, they get, we get the same kit as the non-disabled group. We're on the same level of funding from um, UK sport. And all this just can continue to keep building on. So for somebody who, when I came in, I couldn't even spell Paralympics to then become the Paralympic head coach and now see how far we've gone. It, that, in one respect, is like, I'm really proud of that. And even now I feel that that's been something I can actually see and know I've made a difference in, in, in that situation. So, um, you know, when you're asking what, uh, you know, I've reflected, that probably is the biggest reflection, the level of integration that what we are now than when we were when we started. And we won't, we'll spare Paula's blushes in regards to getting into detail the social side of a Commonwealth Games, because we all know major major championships, multi-sports, a lot of partying goes on. We have to maybe talk about the context of the season and as the multiple games. But on a serious note, Kadini, you talked about like, you know, being inclusive and getting support from other athletes. I think a big thing is that some people don't want to offend, do they? They want, don't want to ask questions in regards to if anyone feels as though they have an illness or a disability. Do you feel as though this games when athletes will be freely socialising in and around it, it helps maybe those conversations become a bit more organic as regards to increasing awareness. And this is hopefully something we can build on that it is a feature moving forward. But for able-bodied athletes, with all due respect, they feel comfortable that they can ask questions as regards to how can we better support you or how, it, you know, as regards to any questions they may have about parasport. Yeah, I think, um, and having spoke to some of my able-bodied friends, that it's just that, you, when you're on a team together, um, you know, your teammates, your friends, and in the same way that you'd want to support, like, you know, your able-bodied counterparts, you want to support um, your disabled teammates. And you just kind of, it's one of those, like, you when you're on a team to be together, together, you just 
it's weird when you're away at champs, you get really comfortable with each other quite quickly and like you become quite friendly. So I think it makes those conversations a lot easier. Um, and it's just, it's not about, you know, you know, you have this disability, I've got to help you. It's more about, um, we are all here at th this games. How can we best support each other to have, you know, the best experience and be the most successful at the game? So I don't think it's about, the conversation then doesn't become about, you know, oh, you have a disability, you know, what can I do for you here? Like, it might be, you know, you've got a teammate that snores really badly and it's like, someone else is saying, oh, how can I help you with this snoring person? Like, I've got some earplugs, like, in the same way. It's not obviously exactly the same, but it's just that kind of thing of, it's not, it's, it's not like made a big thing of like you're just comfortable talking to your teammates about different things and how you can best support them and it then allows those conversations to flow and you know you know sometimes in the evening you're just sat chilling like having conversations and th those conversations you know you, people will ask about you know how, how you manage like um and if you're if you're getting on all right if you know you're managing to get around the village or right or whatever um and i think you know the, these kind of you know championships or games like with that integration allows for those conversations to flow freely um and then that means you know once you step away from um the games uh people then feel more comfortable asking those questions um rather than i think a lot of people are scared to you know ask the question mm. for fear of offending but um for for the majority of uh, people um, I know um, that ha have disability. We we'd rather you asked um, than make any assumptions or kind of be a little bit tentative. So I think it's just giving the people um, or athletes, you know, that power or that kind of confidence to just ask a question. And just you know, we're all fully aware of the near two years we've had during this pandemic, Kadina. How much are you looking forward to just that social element? Because I'm sure you've had your your, your close knit groups as regards to training circles. They've stayed the same, but if we reflect back on Tokyo where it was strictly business, wasn't it? You're in, you compete, you're out. There was none of this, like you say, even scope to sort of build relationships with international competitors. Again, now, what a huge excitement this is in the summer that, understandably, people want to win medals, there's pressure, there's funding at stake, but also elite athletes coming together and being yourselves, you know, once you've competed and relaxing and celebrating successes. I mean, that is one of the big parts of, of a multi-sports game. Is that, you know, you go to championships and yes, you get to, you know, um, integrate people from other, other countries, but I think doing it across sports, it, it, it's so different. Um, and it is part of, you know, being at the games, you know, just kind of getting to know other people, getting to know other sports, just chilling and having those conversations. And as you say, like, Tokyo was the most bizarre games. I mean, I've only been to two, but um, I'll be honest, though, I had some fun times after competing in Rio. Um, and in Tokyo, I, I think I was out of the country um, less than 12 hours after having competed, um, which just seems so bizarre. Like, they literally had us, like, flying out. We had to fly out, I think it was, like, 48 hours after. So you didn't really get a chance to even kind of chat to your own teammates like I, I really get on with like you know people from uh, wheelchair basketball people from the the rowing team who I got to know um in 2016 and you know you, you briefly have a conversation as you're passing um in the in the kind of I wouldn't even say social area it's just the bottom of the towel block that we were staying that you, you kind of get to you know say hi but you, you moved along quite quickly and it was really bizarre so I think you know that social element of um go into a games in the summer is something that I, I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, just being able to chill and chat to different people, you know, see 
uh, like athletes, we don't just do sport <laughs> funnily enough, and it's just nice to just have normal conversation um, with different people from different backgrounds doing different things. And you know, um, I think everyone has a different experience of competing, but I think you know, once we've done that competition, whatever happens, we kind of get to just switch off and just um, enjoy each other's company, which is really nice. And I guess Paula, from a from a team management point of view as well, this is going to look quite completely different as regards to what has been set previously, and. And coaches and support staff being able to speak to other international coaches. You know, again, that similar vibe of what Kadina talked about. Athletes have their own thing, but you probably missed that element of going to a major championships and catching up with former athletes, but sharing expertise and you know, again, all that that coming together. Absolutely, like uh, Kadina said, you know, that's been the that was the oddest thing. You don't, you know, you do loads of you learn so much by that that cross fertilization. You know, speaking to different coaches, different team leaders. Um, you had a little bit of that in Serbia, and um, when we're there for the world indoors, but like this, these outdoor championships feel like even though there's still going to be COVID, um, you know, rules and regulations around, um, it feels like it, this is the beginning of the end. You know, like we will be getting back to some level of normality. Like Kadina said, you know, just like support staff, you know, we're all individuals, um, so it'd be nice just like to enjoy at the end of the championships. Um, like we, we had a great one in Rio and everybody stayed to the end and it was nice. So for me, that's what I'm also looking forward to, you know, getting out your tracksuit and just being being Paul or Kadina and just, you know, interacting as individuals, not as like team leaders or coaches, but just as people um, celebrating the end of the championships, whatever the, whatever the results, just, you know, celebrating the fact that we're there and, um, athletes have achieved um, what they set out to achieve. And we're going to undeniably have a huge British bias to any international listeners who maybe get into this podcast. But Kadina, as, as a, you know, an athlete with the hopes of being there, you know, it's what everyone talks about, a home games, isn't it? I know you experienced that in London in the Paris Athletics Championships. You did incredibly well there. The thought of, you know, being roared on by the vast majority of the crowd when you're competing. I guess, again, in the backdrop of having no one there in Tokyo going to the extremes of literally the vast majority of the stadium cheering for you, the English, the Scottish, the Irish and the Welsh. Yeah, I guess that's one of the things I'm really excited about. You know, um, the London World Championships was amazing. Um, I, I watched the London 2012 Paralympic Games and that's kind of what kind of set me on the the kind of aim to get onto the Paralympic team once I was diagnosed and that was like amazing um, and obviously when we did the world championships which was on a smaller scale because it was a single sport event um, but was still amazing so now I'm like well you know I watched the London 2012 games now I'm like oh gosh I could go to a multi-sports games which is going to be massive anyway that's going to be a home games like my friends my family are going to be there um, that just excites me, you know, like, even, I remember when I was in, uh, Rio and, um, just the roar, like, that, um, the, uh, the Brazilians got when they were, when they were there, um, like, competing, it just gets you, like, you know, around the track, it gets your throw to fly a little bit further, I'm not sure how, but I'm just <laughs> saying it, um, and, you know, I'm just really looking forward to that home nation support, because, I mean, I feel like as Brits, we do have, like, the best, like, fans. Like, we, we love our own and we literally get behind every single person. Doesn't matter kind of what sport, um, doesn't matter doesn't matter about anything apart from the fact that on, the, on that start line, you know, 
in that throwing circle, um, in that, you know, lifting arena or whatever, you are um, an English, Scottish, Welsh, um, Irish athlete, that they're going to get behind you. And even though, you know, we are separated, um, you know, between the, the home countries, I still feel like people are still going to cheer for us, you know, as long as you're British. <laughs> that really excites me and makes me want to be there just to have, I mean, I obviously want to run, run well and get medals, but just to have that home support is uh, something I, I, I really want to experience again. And I guess you, you alluded to there about the athletes' desire for that back. Also fans as well. We've perhaps seen it most evidently in the men's and women's professional football season, coming back in their numbers just to be involved. And I guess that's an added element, Paula, isn't it? From, you know, we're speaking largely for yourself and Gadina for an athletic sphere, but multi-games as well, it's, it's going to be a sellout, isn't it? Because it's the Commonwealth Games, it's in Birmingham. But again, because people have missed this, you know, we've taken it for granted. You know, as much as we enjoyed Tokyo, we were looking at it thinking it was slightly odd artificial wasn't it yes there was great successes but this is truly sport back at its very best elite athletes alongside buoyant crowds as well absolutely um like Kadina said it, it gives you that it's like the um the fifth person in a relay team you know it makes a huge difference when you've got a crowd supporting you um and I, I remember in Manchester um one of my athletes Katie Jones was competing and they announced he went Katie Jones from Salford and everybody erupted because like it's in Manchester Manchester person so I can just imagine what it's going to be like in Birmingham it, if it's anything like 2012 which was and still is the best event I've ever, ever been to, uh, either as an athlete or a coach, amazing. Um, and 2017 follows very closely behind it. If it's anything like that, we're in for a huge treat. And like Kadina said, people are desperate now to come out. It's a home games. People can, you know, it's in Birmingham. It's easy to get to. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. And getting into that stadium and getting like the chills when people go wild. It's just the best feeling ever. And I'm sure, Kadina, as well, there's that element of you wanting to experience that as a fan as well, because you'll hopefully have your competition element to it. But again, part of a major games and a multi-sport games is I'm done and dusted now. I can go and watch. I'm just looking Absolutely. at, you know, whatever it is, particularly in terms of the new sports. So we're going to have women's T20 cricket, basketball, three on three, wheelchair basketball. Again, it's going to be so dynamic and diverse in terms of just what you can go and, and, and taste. Because again... You're probably a testament to this. Large part of your career, you're quite isolated, aren't you? You're in your own zone, focusing on your own things. For hopefully, maybe a few days in Birmingham, you can let your hair down and go and enjoy being a sports fan. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I'm actually looking forward to most about um, the Commonwealth Games. Um, as, as well as it being, you know, a, a multi-sports game that's uh, inclusive, it's because of the way it's done, I only have one event, which is bizarre for me. Um, I'm normally competing like a million times and right until the end. Um, so having one event means that I have the opportunity to go and, you know, watch and cheer on, you know, like teammates, go and watch different sports. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing like the weightlifting, the wheelchair basketball, um, like so many different sports that I wouldn't normally get to like watch like up close and like personal, like, and being in that arena, like, you know, hearing the roar, like, I love being like a fan. Like I, I just love that, you know, that everyone getting excited and that that chills feeling, and you know, seeing that you know person from a you know home country doing well. So that is something I'm really, really hoping that I get to experience. 
The second series of the Sports Aid Vault comes to you in association with the Commonwealth Games England and Team England Futures. So now's a good time for me to tell you a little bit more. Team England Futures is a programme being delivered by Sports Aid on behalf of Commonwealth Games England and Sport England at the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. Team England Futures will see around a thousand talented young athletes and aspiring support staff given the opportunity to attend the Games and take a first-hand look behind the scenes. The programme aims to give the next generation of athletes a head start, experiencing a major Games in the flesh and better preparing them for future multi-sport competitions. It also plans to help aspiring support staff understand what opportunities they could be presented with at a major games, as well as the challenges they may face. In advance of the games, participants are benefiting from online sessions which focus on a whole range of topics, including nutrition, sleep, mental well-being and dealing with the media. During the Games, each athlete will be invited to attend a sporting event and spend time with a group of senior athletes sharing advice and knowledge from their own careers. Team England Futures will reinforce the importance of the Commonwealth Games, particularly one hosted on home soil, as a developmental opportunity within the talent and performance pathway. The programme is designed to enable a diverse cohort of athletes and support staff to see how to perform at their best handling the pressure, managing the distractions and enjoying the experience of a major games. The athletes and support staff will also recognise the impact of able-bodied and para-athletes competing alongside each other and gain a greater understanding into what it means to be part of a diverse multi-sport team. We wish all the athletes and support staff on the programme an amazing experience and we hope they'll be able to take inspiration from the guests appearing on the Sports Aid Vault podcast. Paul, part of obviously this podcast is we're trying to create awareness about the Team England Futures programme. For most of us, even me for as a journalist, you're sort of naive, aren't you, in thinking that athletes get qualifying standards, they meet that, and that's the first ever time that they appear at a major games. And that was probably true for yourself, wasn't it? If we go back a year, back years, it's sort of you just arrive up and learn on the job. But what all countries are probably doing, but no doubt Team England Futures is allowing the opportunity for those who are on the pathway to that to get a bit of a snapshot of what the Games is like. Because you could just talk through your understanding of how Team England Futures are going to benefit from the Birmingham Games this summer. They're so fortunate. Like you said, in, in days gone by, you just literally got selected, rocked up and you learnt on the job. These athletes um, across all the different sports are going to get an opportunity to go behind the scenes, see what a village is. You no, know, you don't know what a village is until you've been there. You know, you'll see the, the food hall, you'll see some of the entertainment and you'll just see the scale and vastness of it. Um, and, you know, that insight is, is incredibly useful for when you get selected. So it's not new. So some of that, uh, you know, surprise, shock, um, excitement um, is, is great, but like, you know, it's a distraction. So if you can get rid of some of that and make it a little bit more familiar, so when you do get into that environment, you know what to expect. You know, when somebody says, oh, God, let's go to the food hall, you know how vast it's going to be. You know, there's going to be different food stations. Um, so to me, it's it's an amazing, amazing initiative. Um, like you say, lots of nations are doing it now because they're seeing the, the advantage of doing it. And for any athlete or from any whatever sport selected, you should just really go in there and 
devour it, you know, learn from that experience um, and, and take advantage because for the first time, they're not competing, but they're in a very serious competitive environment. And just to keep learning, ask lots of questions. Um, and yeah, it just gives you insight and insight is um, is is precious when you get selected for, you know, actually do get selected to represent your country because um, you know what to expect. And Kadina, I'm sure you'll perhaps echo that in terms of we all in life, don't we, largely learn by our mistakes. <laughs> we know, you, you know, you go to things, stuff happens and you're just like, OK, next time I'll do that again. If you were sort of to rewind, maybe what are some of the key learning things that you've had as an elite athlete that you perhaps would say to anyone who's a member of Team England Futures now? Like I say, hopefully it's a non-pressurised environment. You're someone we're seeing as the future. Go in and absorb this environment. What are the key things they perhaps should be looking out for? Um... I think um, one of the things that happens at um, any kind of major championships, games, he, as a new athlete, you can get like very overwhelmed, very carried away. Um, I know like you kind of change what, what your normal would be. So like, um, you know, say, you know, you've got access to having a massage, um, which you could have every day if you wanted, but when you're at home, you have it once a week. Um, you know, some athletes, well, because it's there, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to get it every day, and it actually works against them. Um, and, like, when you... Paula will probably remember this, but I remember my very first championships. Um, we hadn't really... Or I hadn't really thought about uh, the fact that there was going to be more walking, um, like, you know, more places to get back and forward to and how that was going to impact my mobility. Um, and I remember then <laughs> the team having to kind of go searching for a scooter <laughs> for me to get. And I, I still have this pink scooter <laughs> that we had to get for me to get around on. But um, I think if you, if you know, if you've been in that um, area and, you know, you've seen how big the, um, the, the food hall is, you've seen how much, you know, space there is to get about in within the village, you know, how, how far you've got to go to, to get to the food hall, how far you've got to go to get your massage, where's the, um, the transport places. If you've seen all those places, then you can kind of figure out how best to make it work for you. Because um, prior to your to your event, the one thing you want to be thinking about is, you know, what is what I'm doing going to help me to get that medal? Um, so anything extra you don't want to be doing. So if you can kind of take out, you know, a little bit of walking, you can take out, you know, um, the extra massage, which you might think is going to be really beneficial, but actually works against you because your body's not used to it. Um, it's just having all those little bits of knowledge and understanding that can um, help you when you actually get to the games and um, to, yeah, take away that kind of learning on the job and someone having to run and get a pink scooter. <laughs> you know, Tom, I, I sit here, Tom, and I'm so impressed that all my work has actually made a difference to Kadina. <laughs> and literally everything I've said is like, yeah, I've been saying that for 10 years <laughs> and, it, and athletes have actually really listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> We try, we try. <laughs> and and pink scooters aside, but definitely that was that was pro arguably for Kadina one of those one percenters, isn't it? We talk about you know, particularly for Kadina on the track, whether it's in the velodrome or on the athletics track, medals are decided by tenths even less of that. So just going sticking with the futures program there, Paula, as well as 
for athletes to share that knowledge as well because they're with coaches at the moment, aren't they? Who are part, they're another key part of that journey as well, isn't it? And as well, Kadina's rightfully pointed out, absorb that information for yourself. But then for your support team, it will help them holistically support you so much better if they're aware of these things. Because again, sometimes coaches are not allowed to attend these things as well, are they? So just being able to share that information with loved ones and those who are, definitely have key roles in your career. Absolutely. And... Um... I think something that I think we did really well, um, obviously Kadina can say yes or no. Give ourselves like, a big pat on the back. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, is that sharing of information, you know. So we went there and I'd say, oh, you know, it's 2,000 steps. It's going to take, so you work it out. There's, in, there's a transport, use the transport. And we share lots of information. And I think in the past, we probably weren't that good at sharing information with um, coaches and parents and support staff from external to British Athletics or England Athletics. I think we're so much better now at giving that insight of that expectation and, and understanding it's going to take a team. Not not just the team that are actually on the ground, but the team at home to understand exactly what's going to happen when the athlete leaves their care. Um, and so if they can give us as much information to support their athlete and we give them as much information to make them aware of what to expect, um, you're going to get that sweet point where everybody gets there and the athlete's happy. And that's all we need to do is keep them happy. Um, and, you know, like things like the, the, the walking in the heat, we didn't take that into consideration. We knew it was going to be hard. But what we hadn't taken into consideration in respect of Kadena was the impact it was going to have on her MS. So we had to act. And there's always going to be things. Um, so you're going to have to be really flexible. And we were able to act and to make sure, A, she was able to still train. B, she was able to get the rest she needed. And C, get her a lovely scooter to get around. Because, you know, she doesn't want to sit in a room, <laughs> you know. She needs, she still needs to, um, so, you know, socialise and move. Um, so I think that that real, really work, a collaboration between, you know, our staff and the um, the athlete's home team is, is critical for their success. So um, I think in the past, people have thought, oh, it's down to one person or it's down to that. It's not. It's a joint effort between everybody. And Kadina, you can relate to this as regards to obviously the evolving nature of para sport. Athletes are being reclassified all the time, aren't they? And their illnesses or any, you know, any things that they have to deal can ramp up in quite significant short spaces of time. So it does seem as like a really priceless opportunity to take advantage of. Yeah, I think, um, I think like for me, so my, my disability um, can, can fluctuate um, and just, yeah, just like little things can, you know, make you you know, become more symptomatic. And I, I, I train with a group with a, a few different athletes and, you know, we all have um, little things that, that trigger us. And I think it's just, you know, having that, that flexibility, but also having that great support team around you um, and just prior knowledge. I think, like, for me, like, I guess I hadn't... And I probably wasn't aware of it. I was still quite new to my illness at that point. But um, just, you know, if... As, if I can give the team as much information as possible about, you know, how things impact me, um, then they can be best prepared um, to support me. And that, that's the same for any athlete, you know. Um, we get a lot of visually impaired athletes who, you know, when they're here, they're, they're, they can get around really easily. And, you know, you wouldn't even be um, aware of the fact that they've, they've got a visual impairment, that they, they just crack on, they go to, you know, the gym, they, they use the track, they... They just move about, um, but then you take them to somewhere that's unfamiliar, um, and actually then you see um, how m much they struggle. But 
if you've been able to have those conversations, you know, if, you know, the likes of Paula and the team have been able to look at kind of the hotels and the layouts and been able to speak to them, they've been able to figure out, you know, where it's going to be dark, you know, the lighting, because that impacts uh, visually impaired athletes and just all those little things that, you know, outside of, um, I guess, outside of parasport, um, not everyone thinks about. Um, it's just all those little things that can make um, performance and, and um, a, a competition so much smoother uh, for us as athletes. And it's just that reminder that it is a real team effort. Um, I really understand the whole team thing and, and more so, you know, talk, Paul was talking about the transfer of information and I think I see it more just because I am across, you know, the cycling and the athletics team. Um, but I really see how that collaboration um, is really beneficial. I've had teams that have worked really well together. I've had teams that have not worked so well together and not shared that information. And I've really seen the impact that that's had on my performance. Um, so I think it's just key that we do continue to, you know, have these open conversations and just support um, each other the best we can. And Paul, it's a, it's a huge element that we perhaps overlook now in terms of when it comes to inclusion is the array of roles that are available now in elite sports. Again, trying to harp, not harp back to back in your day too much, but if you compare, I'm sure for yourself, there was team leaders, there was your main coach now, but in terms of the setups that athletes like Kadena have at their disposal now in terms of S&C, nutrition, physio, psychology, I don't know, there's, there's lots of ways we can go in about embracing that, particularly for athletes now, maybe exposing them to, of course, my short, it's going to largely be a short career, isn't it, with an elite sport? Absolutely. But for yourself, someone who's progressed onto coaching roles now and to see the viable options to continue being part of multi-sport championships for, you know, for as long as possible in a, in a, in a support capacity as well. Absolutely. And, and, you know, my big bugbear is, you know, we've got lots of really good ex-athletes that, that I'm trying to encourage to keep in the sport. You know, when you when you retire and, you know, somebody who's been through that, sport's not great. Governing bodies are not great at retaining talent. Um, you kind of race, finish, and then you go back into your normal life. Um, but all the knowledge you've picked up over the years is is critical. Um, so I, if athletes want to get back into sport, I'm always open to speaking to them. As you say, support staff. We've had athletes who have gone on to be qualified physios. I've dragged them back in. We've won as a nutritionist, was also an ex-athlete. So you want to keep everybody in because, like you said, there's a multiple multitude of roles now that support athletes. Um, but what I always say um, to athletes is in regarding support staff and services, it's, it's not a sweet shop. You don't, you don't go in there and say, I want one of those, one of those. It's all for benefit. So I always go, what do you need as opposed to what do you want? Now, need and want are completely different. And it's about what do you need to make sure you can close the gap or retain on that podium? Um, and, and that's the difference with support services. It, it is a need as opposed to a want. Like Kadena said, you can get you can go every day and get a um, soft tissue. That isn't going to make you any better. In fact, if you're only used to doing it once at home, it actually has a negative effect on performance. So we always try to encourage athletes to stick to know what they know what works for them um, and just do what they need to do as opposed to want to do. And if you always remember that, then it always it, you can answer your own questions. Okay, guys, just last couple of things to get stuck into. And I've no doubt no stone will be left unturned from Team England, Team Scotland, Team Wales, Northern Ireland as regards to the approach. But Kadena, can you talk a bit more about the importance of, of you being there or athletes like yourself in terms of inspiring the next generation? Because I know you've recently created the Kadena Cox Academy and that is about 
longevity in terms of trying to lay down foundations for other people to see themselves represented in sports that they haven't previously seen to say, right, this is an option for you. And we do, we start to see, hopefully off the back of Birmingham, you know, a massive increase in people wanting to be like their heroes that they're going to see on the TV and hear on the radios. Yeah, I think, I think it's so key. Um, like I remember watching the likes of, you know, Chrissy O, Jeanette Quache, um, you know, all of those girls that were there back in the day, um, just absolutely like smashing it and thinking, I want to be like them. Um, I fell into cycling by accident just when I got ill. Um, and I never would have got into it. Like it just, it wasn't something that was in my kind of eyeline. Like I didn't see anyone that looked like me doing it. Like no one had ever spoke about cycling like around me. So it wasn't something that I, I would have got involved in. Um, so I think it is important, you know, you, we've got our home games like this and there's going to be so much um, kind of, there's going to be a spotlight on it and there's going to be so many people that we haven't necessarily seen before doing different sports we haven't seen. Like one of my close friends, Emily Campbell, she's a weightlifter um, and, you know, a lot of people haven't seen girls in weightlifting before and especially not, you know, um, she's in um, the, the heavier category so they haven't seen, you know, a big girl lifting and, you know, being able to see that and being able to be like, hey, like, you know, she looks like me, she's doing this, why can't I do that? I think that's such a key thing, and especially that it's going to be a home game, that there is going to be that massive spotlight on, you know, so many of, like, the, the home athletes, you know, whether it's, you know, the wheelchair basketball, whether it's, you know, athletics, swimming, um, I don't even know what other sports are. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's going to be all these athletes that, you know, younger athletes can look up to and be like, you know, I want to be like them, I can be like them. I think it's also key because of the the, the setup of um, kind of the having the home nations. Um, there's going to be athletes on the team um, that are younger athletes that are going to look up to the more senior athletes and be like, you know, I, I'm here now. Like next time I'm here, I, I, I want to be getting a medal like them. You know, I want to be able to achieve what, what they've achieved and just watching what they're doing, you know, seeing, you know, how they're carrying themselves, you know, around the village at, at, at the event, what they're doing, you know, kind of in terms of, you know, are they being sensible with 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 like the the, the food choices? You know, going to the dining hall, not you know staying there like the whole day and just um, it's very easy to just sit in the dining hall and eat lots of different foods because there's so much option. Um, but like you know, yeah, just being being smart and just being able to watch those you know um, more senior athletes you know compete, um, see them on the TV you know as an athlete at home. I think that's just the inspiration that we need to keep getting this influx of athletes through, um, but not just into, you know, the main sports that we always see people in. Um, you know, you've got things like, you know, athletics, swimming, that are kind of big sports. You know, you look at football, which um, obviously isn't the Commonwealth Games, but, but you know, um, football's like, a, it's a big sport, like, you know, kids just go to it easy. And we want to kind of get people across different sports. So, as I mentioned, you know, things like... Um, weightlifting you know wheelchair basketball these are things that you know aren't um massive sports and we want to we want to highlight these sports and get more kids seeing these and thinking hey i might try that actually and i think that's the most important thing and paula you've sampled life on the rostrum as regards to commonwealth games as track and field for us to ask you if you ha if we could parachute you into birmingham to compete in any event this summer <laughs> <laughs> so it can't be obviously oh, track Paula. and field what, what what excites you what are you possibly thinking of Wow. Oh my gosh. You know, I'd love to experience that at a Molly Sports Games. 
Well, you know what? I love netball. Netball was my first love. I, I, I tried to get onto the Greater Manchester squad for um, with the netball when I was younger. Didn't so netball. My sister loves netball, so netball is my like my second big love. So if I had the opportunity and was a foot taller, I would have definitely gone for netball. But I'm, I'm five foot two, so <laughs> it was never That's really going to happen. Really, was it? It wasn't going to happen. You did more than enough on the track, I think it's fair to say. And if you know, and we talk about that in terms of inspiration and platforms. The Roses down under, winning in Australia's backyard, exactly. coming into Birmingham as gold medalists. I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure England netball can fully relate to the participation numbers off the back of that. But that's in the early hours, isn't it? And you know, and again, that mainstay of prime time TV, seeing exactly. those girls hopefully defend their title. Can't finish off without the same question for yourself, Kadina. Hopefully, you'll be there in Birmingham on the track. But if, if we were to give you a free pass into something else, what what would you be? What would, what would tickle your fancy as regards to another element to Kadena Cox's oh, sporting endeavours? I this question. I could choose every sport. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, do you know what you've done, Tom? You do. <laughs> don't, give it, don't give any ideas. <laughs> Paul's like, I've been trying to keep her in the one space for so long. One space. Don't ask her any questions. <laughs> um, do you know what? Like Paul, I'd probably go back to an old sport. Um, so I pretty much played hockey alongside my athletics career um, for until I was like 18, 19 and kept getting balls to the face or like <laughs> oh. broken like feet and realised it was impacting my athletics career. So I'd, I'd probably go back to hockey or maybe weightlifting. I weightlifted for a while in uni. You like that? Yeah. I, yeah. I can, see, I can see you doing weightlifting. Yeah. I, 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 I wish I could do it. But... Um, yeah, I'm just, I just don't... Will it work with uh, the two sports I've got going No, on? it won't. <laughs> I love the fact that she's even debating it. This was just pure fantasy, but Kadena's actually, actually thinking, is this viable? Can I do this? Tom, we never do that to Kadena because she will think it's viable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could work. It could work for her. Oh, please. <laughs> oh. Well, ladies, that seems like a perfect place to leave it. Kadena, all the best in your hopeful pursuit of being there on the track in Birmingham. And Paula, we know you'll definitely be there as regards to a Team England role. And either way, we're all going to be absorbing it and hooked. But uh, thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you to Paula and Kadena for joining us on the Sports Aid Vault. You can find out more about Sports Aid and Team England Futures by visiting sportsaid.org.uk or checking out at Team Sports Aid on Twitter and Instagram. The Sports Aid Vault podcast is produced with Hogarth Worldwide and Gramercy Park Studios. And our theme music is courtesy of Vidal Riley. You can check out his latest releases on Spotify. <laughs>